Hey there, and welcome to High Vibe In It. I'm Lindsay Robinson, hypnotherapist and success mindset expert. And I'm Kelsey Aida, inspirational author and blogger slash manifesting expert. And we're best friends who are inspired to create a self-development podcast with a spiritual twist. To us, living a high vibe life is all about creating with intention, prioritizing how you feel, and making empowered choices that support your highest potential. Every week, we're here to help you learn how to live a more aligned, inspired life, start owning your power, and manifest the life of your dreams. Visit highvibeinit.com to connect with us on social media and learn about more ways we can help. And don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. Now, we have a ton of value to offer you today, so let's dive in. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. This week is just slightly different because when we got on the call with our guest, it just started naturally, organically becoming the most amazing conversation and we didn't want to stop to introduce her. But essentially, she helps people to um, become better at relating. So in this episode, we talk a lot about how can we be better at relating to each other so that we can heal a lot of the pain that is in the world right now, especially in America, especially as it pertains to racism and all of that that's going on. So yeah, we're really happy to bring you this episode and we hope you love it. Um, Kelsey, Stephanie, Stephanie, Kelsey. Hi, nice Kelsey. Nice to meet you. Heard great things going? about you. Well, you know, we'll probably get into that in this call. You know, I'm, I am um, just blocks away from the protest that's happening right now in downtown LA. I know that this is a place, it is definitely a place of healing. Um, I just think that, Kelsey, I don't know if I can speak for you. We just don't necessarily know what we should say. I mean, I think I know what I want to say. Kelsey has been <laughs> saying a lot of things she wants to say. And I've been very, very vocal about on social media about where I stand. You know, um, as a mom of biracial kids, Kelsey, you're biracial. Um, I feel like there's a lot that, there's a lot of stuff I could bring to the table, but I'm just terrified of stepping on anyone's toes. And I know a lot of people are afraid of that right now, but I also feel like whoever needs to hear what I have to say is going to hear it. What do you feel like, Steph? I I think that um, this is a a point of, an opportunity to listen. Like I also have like have held back on saying stuff, not that I'm scared to step into it, but because my voice is not the most important thing exactly. to hear. And, and right now, I mean, I have a very serious narrative that's still in my body because I'm physically holding pain for what has happened in my area, which is since, you know, the, the first um, round of protests. So like the, the last Friday and Saturday of May, um, my my block in downtown LA was the epicenter of all the yeah. violence and the looting. So I watched, I watched my own neighbors from my building take fire hydrants out to put out fires that were too close to our building and watch every piece of retail on our um, block be looted. And, and, and I'm not, um, you know, I don't want to do the yeah, but, you know, I, I'm just traumatized by seeing my own community. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and yet knowing that like, I, I'm holding, pain in my body. I'm an empath. How could I not? And then I did some other things and I'll, I'll, I'll share that in this call, but to really feel this moment, you know, like I right. merged myself and every documentary and everything that I can watch right now. Cause I thought I, I, I I'm woke enough, but you know, you, you can't, you can't right. be enough because our friends of color have generational stories exactly. in their body that they're holding. So like to, to even begin to, to, experience that moment with that intensity like we need to do it like if you feel pain that's the time to keep going into just listening and i don't think posting you know is like yeah. the right place for any of us i'd rather like forward or repost things of exactly voices. yes because yeah. i'm gonna yeah. say like i've had just in the last week um you know, they say like, if, if you want to be a space, if you want to like, uh, hold space for, for more black voices, why is your feed so white? And I was yeah. like, not necessarily at me, but I thought about, it. I was like, Oh, yeah. I mean, it is, it is. It's all white yeah. girls. It's all white ladies who, who I feel like I can relate to in my message. And that I feel like would receive my message the best, which is yeah. natural for humans to do. But I was but- like, okay, well let's, let's see if there's Let's just explain. And I've had so many, you know, people are putting lists out, go follow this person for inspiration, motivation, like spirituality. Oh my gosh. My feed has never been more on fire. Like I, and and they're the, they, meaning the people of color that I've uh, started following lately have put in so much love 
and so much like inspiration for the collective, which is, yeah. I, I think that's my focus. Kelsey, I think you can agree. Like our focus is like, where are we going as humanity? Like, let's just, yeah. let me focus on that. And anything I can help to bring that faster. Yes. Yeah. So I've been reposting a lot of their inspiration and a lot of their messages because it's so on point and it's so freaking fire that I just really can't get enough of it, yeah. honestly. <laughs> but I, I would also argue, and you know, this won't be a surprise to you, Lindsay, since we've yeah. already talked that getting off social media, because I can also guarantee the three of us in the color of our skin, we know somebody that's racist and we've decided to avoid that person. We've, you know, blocked Aunt Carol on Facebook because we don't want to <laughs> see her nonsense. And it's like, right getting trained and skilled and brave enough to have those conversations and, and try to like, you know, try to, 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 to give some insight and relate because what yeah. bothers me so much about social media and I have such a love hate relationship with it. I mean, I've done a YouTube show for three years. I mean, I use the medium, I use it for clients. I see that the value in it, but I also look at it as value neutral because of all the bad stuff. But just because you posted a meme doesn't mean that you're not as susceptible to turning into an Amy Cooper in a park. You know, like, yeah, right. and, and, and the real work has to come get out of social media and go, well, I, I'm woke. I posted this. I donated here. I, I shared this. No, um, get off there and relate and have conversations with people that are, you know, not going to be pleasant, mm -hmm. um, be willing to, to make mistakes, you know, and, and do that work. Like, I just think it's, I overall, I'm just going to stand by my words about it. I think it's a time to listen and learn and, uh, I, I'm not a big fan of Amazon and anything that they really do or Bezos to begin with, but I think they've done a really good job of archiving uh, Black history um, with doc, uh, documentaries, with with um, films that you can just get, yeah. merge yourself in, you know, especially if we're still quarantined instead of watching some other nonsense. And And I would say when it starts to hurt because we have to, as a white American, get real honest about the identity of this country and know that, you know, I, when I start to reflect on what I learned in school, it always showed us as the hero. And, you know, even like yes. Abraham Lincoln, you know, he freed the slave. He was, he was racist. He talked about yeah. segregation. He talked about whites being better than blacks, you know, but the narrative in our white schools was like, oh no, we were always on the right side. We've always, you know, done the right thing. And that's just not true. And so the opportunity to go, you know what, I gotta, I gotta challenge my own identity and it's gonna be painful and I gotta get real with that, you know, and, and really pay attention to like what I had the privilege to turn on and turn off when it was convenient to me and then somehow find a new identity and what is really true about this country. Kelsey, um, you're bouncing. Oh, I just have anxiety all the time. But um, <laughs> I was thinking that, yeah, it would be good to focus on solutions. Well, also commentary, because I think people value our perspectives a lot, and we have a, a unique perspective to offer. But like in my mind, I feel like one of the biggest solutions in this whole mess, all the messes that we're going through, not just the whole racism, is understanding one and then part two is taking everything in and seeing it as a part of yourself so how can i see the earth as a part of me then i won't hurt it how can i see this black person as yep. a part of me then i won't hurt it it's the illusion of separateness right that creates these win-lose scenarios or really lose-lose scenarios because if you're hurting something outside of yourself it's really is a part of you in truth so you're just hurting a different part of yourself yeah. so you're not actually winning even if you think you're getting the upper hand and i just wish right now that people would really step into other people's perspectives, not just their shoes. Because I think what people do is, oh, if I was this person in their shoes, I wouldn't feel like them because I'm me, right? Like, yeah. obviously you're not gonna feel like them because you have a different life, a different belief system, a different background, different trauma, different parents, like everything about you is different than that person. Yeah. But imagine that you're that person with their life, their trauma, their experiences, their emotions, their beliefs, then you're going to feel exactly how they're feeling. And Absolutely. that's why how they're feeling is valid and how you're feeling is valid. And neither one of those is invalid because they seem opposite. Yeah. Just because they seem different, that doesn't invalidate them. That means this is true. And this is true and these two people are living in completely different realities so how can we bridge those by creating a bridge literally so we can understand all the sides and then we're not 
fighting anymore. Yeah. Then we're like having compassion and then that's what creates unity. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. I, I have a shirt uh, on my site right now that says relating is or debating is not relating because it's not. It, 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 again, that. Hey, can you tell that to my husband, please? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you can order a shirt for him. <laughs> no, I just, I think, again, we've sort of been trained by social media and media in general to just debate the issues and that what about this, you know, nonsense. And the real work comes in relating and it also comes in understanding exactly what you just said, Kelsey, that as soon as we understand that my actions have consequences and yours do and it's all affected and what somebody does across the world affects me and that we are one and like, I feel like we're in a crisis of species right now. If we don't right. get that, if we miss that opportunity to get that again, like I, I don't know, I can't even imagine what the future is going to look like for kids if we don't get this lesson right now. It just feels so crucial to get it. Yeah. And it's not just kids, right? It's the other animals on yeah. the planet that we treat like shit. Yeah. It's the actual planet that we yeah. see as separate from us. Like it's an epidemic on a universal yeah. scale, not and just. And that, and that starts with our government too, because we, we have all these systems where like, okay, the federal government gave everybody the right to vote, but then they like left these loopholes in for mm-hmm. you know, local governments to, are to, to abuse it. So when it, I would, I would argue and be fierce about this too, if your power, if you're a person in power and your power, um, in order for you to have power, you have to keep people in a place of powerlessness, you're an asshole and you need yeah. to be destroyed because that is not power. Power should be power that unites us and, and that we all flourish in that and not just these people are not going to get any of that, of that goodness because as long as I'm on top, Jeff Bezos. Well, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, as for what you were saying about the kids, like that has been my main focus as a mother of three boys. I really wanted to make sure when, you know, I look before it was brought to my awareness, the injustice, right. To the degree that it actually is because we don't see it. We just don't see it. It's not in our peripheral vision. It's not in our vision. So I, I trusted the school system to teach them about Black History Month and Martin Luther King and all of these Black American great people that have built our country. And I was like, yeah, cool. He's going to school. I did my job as my parent. He's going to go to school. He's going to learn about this. And if he, you know, he would come home and teach me about Martin Luther King. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so amazing. My kid is, he's learning about it. Okay. So fast forward to when all of this really started to get upheaval and I realized, okay, this is a revolution. This is a time when we can really create the world that we're going to live in. And we have this amazing opportunity to do that as white parents to, to, facilitate that. So I told my son, I was like, he's eight years old. I was like, I really should tell him what's going on. Kelsey, did I tell you the story, the conversation I had with yeah, Aiden? Yeah, so cute. So I was nervous, you know, cause I didn't really know what, it's uncharted, uncharted waters to tell your child that someone was murdered by the cops, who he, as a child, is going to see a cop as the good guy. We, we, that's just what we do. And so I, ex- I explained what happened and he said, well, how? And I was like, I'm not going to tell you exactly everything. Like I didn't, I didn't want to show him the video. I, I don't, I'm not there, but I did want to explain to him that people of color, you know, black people, especially sometimes are targeted by the police. And, uh, and I said, you know what the word racism means, right? And he's like, yeah. I was like, okay, there's a lot of that going on today. And he looked at me with this bewildered face, my beautiful eight-year-old innocent child looked at me like, what are you talking about? And I, and I go, why are you looking at me like that? He goes, that's over. And I go, what? <laughs> Racism's over. I was like, okay, no, it's not over. Um, we still have a lot of work to do. And so, you know, I, I, it, it, we had a little bit more of a conversation that I won't necessarily go into detail about, but he, he and I both, he was very sad, you know, to hear that racism wasn't over because he learned in school that the slavery was abolished and black people have the same rights as white people. And that's what they're teaching. And so, uh, we had, we had a very good conversation. And then at the end I said, so it's our job as white people. Well, you know, he's half Mexican, but as, as people to create the new world and to create the world where everybody actually does have the same opportunities and the same rights and all this stuff. And I go, are you up for the job? 
<laughs> you know, like, are you up for the mission? Cause he's like all obsessed with superheroes. And he looked at me, yes. <laughs> so like, like, we wow. had this like, like superhero moment where we're like, it is our job to make sure that this happens for everyone. And, and he's like, yes, mom, I got it. And by then my four-year-old had fallen asleep. So he wasn't really a part of the conversation, but he started out like listening and, and he heard, he, he started out in the conversation too, but it's, it's a constant conversation, but it really, it, it, it flabbergasted me that he didn't know slavery, that racism was still a thing. And I, in the same moment, I was like, how does my son not know this from me? How have yeah. I not breached this topic before? We have the privilege of turning it off and turning it on. Like we can, exactly. you know, we can emerge ourselves and real data and real experiences and talk to our friends, but you know, let's yeah. face it, we can turn it off and turn it on. And um, I think you guys, you particularly Lindsay would like, there's a, a doc on Amazon um, that's perfectly archived, very easy to find. It's called um, Black, White and Us. And it's about, families, um, usually Mormon white families in Utah that are adopting black children, and they consider themselves very, you know, spiritual, you know, uh, yeah. God-fearing people, and um, didn't really understand the kind of issues that they would face, because they were not, you know, they, they turned racism off, like they didn't, you know, have that lens, and there's yeah. one particular story of this family that had a conversation with a boy probably about the same age as your son, um, and he's, the, he's adopted, so black son, white parents, um, he comes home and they were having this conversation about like career day or something. And, uh, and they asked their son, like, well, you know, what do you, what do you think you're going to want to do? Like what, you know, what's the kind of career that you're thinking about? And he goes, I don't know, mom, I don't know what I can do in jail. <gasps> so just, yeah, process that for a minute. The innocence of that, like he's heard that he's going to end up in jail from kids or whatever's happening at school and to have the innocence and the freaking heart and the, mm -hmm. the the resilience to go but I'm gonna you know I'm gonna make it anyways but like to have to be told that you're just gonna end up in I mean I just can't even I can't mm -hmm. even process that like I can't and they couldn't either you know and then they realized like in that moment how they haven't exposed him to yeah. black culture and you know and really prepared him for these moments and you know and and really had to dive in and check themselves and, and, and not just make it like a one-time webinar, you know, but yeah. like a continuous learning. Um, but can you imagine that? No. And they, when that there's in social media, there's so many things being, you know, shared and reposted and re reintroduced to people. And there was that Jane Elliott. I know I've dove, dove so deep into Jane Elliott. I think she's yeah. a freaking superhero, but she first did her black, uh, brown eye, blue eye experiment, um, in like 1968 or something. And I watched it, the original one and the kids, she's like, yeah, brown eye people are better than blue eye people because they're, you know, and she starts naming all these uh, ridiculous reasons. Mm -hmm. And the kids are so like heartbroken. Like you can see, you don't get to play at recess. You have to stay in and all these kids go out and they just look heartbroken. And for a minute I was like, my mother spirit was like, Oh, protect these children. What are you doing? But then I was like, Oh wait, they they can't handle this for two days. And then, you know, black kids and people of color have to deal with this. This is real for them. Like this is what they have to deal with every day. So they can handle it for two days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's be fine. Like, I mean, I'm in pain right now yes. and I'm like, but you know what? I really believe like, you know, put yourself if, if there's a thing that white people can do right now is purposely put themselves in pain. Put, yes. you know, and, and when you feel that you can't go on, keep going, and then you're just starting to scratch the surface of what people of color have felt their whole yeah. life because they have generations of stories in their body from their, their parents and their grandparents and their own experiences. And, you know, then we just start to begin to, to feel what they feel. Um, and then that's, and then that's just the beginning. And then we get activated, you know, and then, then we, we yeah. stand up and like, and, and, and really understand what defunding the police means and what voter rights, you know, I think those are the two major things that need to change from our federal government to really um, make this a really uh, meaningful moment. Like to not have someone go, we've done this over and over again. And this is where I, you know, I'm, I'm at the generation, I know I'm a little bit older than you guys, that like I can see sort of um, things on, from younger people and people that are older than me and the people that are older that have always been in civil rights, like they kind of know that there's this process and politics and everything takes long. And the young people are like, screw that. Like we've been here, the same stories have happened over and over again. Like 
we we want this to stop. You know, we're not going to do it politically. We're not going to, you know, we're not going to um, wait for things to happen. It has to happen immediately, and it will be interesting to see. Well, it's, it's been a week, and did you guys yeah. hear about, I mean, at the time of this recording, it's been a week, and the Minneapolis uh, City Council or something has announced their intent to disband the police department and start with community-led safety solutions. Whatever that means, we don't yeah. know. I think it's a huge step forward, and I was just telling my my uh, friend, you know, I don't know what that means, but it will hopefully be something that works for everybody because we are paying for this service. Like yeah. we are paying for these people to protect us. Yeah. Well, so what, let's figure what it that means, out. I think what it means, you know, it's a good thing to encourage, I think your, your viewers to think about is like to look at your local government and look at the budget of your local city and your, and your county and see how imbalanced that budget is and how much is going to police and the whole um, you know, mindset behind defunding the police is like, it's disproportionately, you know, the budget is put towards police. And if we put it towards preventative things, like which we all believe in wellness, like let's really make um, communities safe. Let's, you know, let's put it towards education. Let's took it, put, to, put it towards mindfulness. Let's protect our marginalized communities. Um, then we wouldn't need so much policing, right? We, we rely on them for too many things. That's what they're really saying. It's like, it's is just take the money out of the budget, put it towards other things, so we don't rely on the police to do all this. And 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 keep in mind, I think what Black Lives Matters people will say is they're also being the prosecutor, right? They, right. Any time right. that they impose violence on somebody that they arrest, like that's not their job. They were supposed to be called peace officers. Like they're not there. You know, when someone's in the hands of the police, they're still a suspect at that point, unless they absolutely. They witness the crime, which most of them don't. They're a suspect, and they're treating people like they already been. They're convicting them when they choose to be so, you know, violent with them. So, like taking that power away and you know restructuring—that's what that means. But yeah, it starts with like moving the money around because we know, you know, like money. Money is the thing that makes people powerful and makes entities and organizations powerful. So they don't have the money; they're going to have to, you know, operate in a different way. Mm-hmm. Right. I just think of like in this whole thing as I'm watching it unfold, I'm like, there's so many people who need therapy. Like if they could just have <laughs> therapy, we would not have a lot. Of I, I agree. Happening I, in the world today. Speaking of therapy, if you need a resource to help yourself, we are obsessed with BetterHelp. BetterHelp is a way to get in touch with a therapist or counselor online. So you don't even have to leave your house to get therapy, to get help, to get support in your life. They have a broad range of experts to help you with all different areas of your life, no matter what your goal is or your problem or your pain point is. And you can start communicating with your therapist in under 24 hours. And it's truly an affordable alternative to traditional therapy where you go to an office and you sit on the couch and you cry. It's really great for all of these reasons and more. So if you're interested, definitely check out BetterHelp. And you guys actually get a really good deal right now if you go to betterhelp.com slash vibin. That's betterhelp.com slash V-I-B-I-N. You guys get 10% off your first month. You get to talk to somebody right away and it's really awesome. So go check out betterhelp.com slash vibin for 10% off your first month. Therapy leads to inner peace and inner peace leads to world peace. The end. (laughs) I agree. So I, you know, my big position and I'm waiting to kind of talk about this because it's not, you know, the right time, but I believe like when I was trying to relate and challenge myself, when I'm watching below fires being set and, you know, these stores being looted and I'm like, what do I have in common with a looter? And I, and I, really quickly came up with lovelessness. I mean, I believe we live in a time where lovelessness is just rampant and everybody feels it, whether you, you know, you come from a single parent family or, um, you know, you've, uh, you've got grown up trying to like, date with a dating app involved and all the nonsense that happens there. Like, and then how convenient it is, it has become to just consume, right? To just be a consumer on all levels, consume food. I get it delivered, consume little stuff on Amazon. Yeah. It's easy, you know, so convenience has even chipped away at love. Um, I think social media has chipped away at love because we are out of practice at relating. Um, that, yeah, like, so when we, and love is a big component of mental wellness. If we feel love, we act in love. Mm-hmm. If we don't feel it, we don't act in it. I mean, I still consider myself right now in this moment, 
uh, very triggered. Uh, and when you're triggered, when a human being is triggered, it's very tribal. So my tribalism right now is for my local community. It's for my neighbors, you know, and I'm like, oh, mama bear on them, which would definitely creates animosity to anybody outside of that. I'm aware of that. I'm, you know, I have to watch my, um, my feelings and, you know, my actions because I'm triggered, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, it sounds so silly, but we've had beautiful musicians and poets over time say, you know, love is all we need. And it's not, it, it's true. You know, it's true. If we knew how to practice that more and be more loving with each other, I think that would be a good place to start. Yeah. yeah. Stephanie, I have a question for you, yeah. a personal question. Good. How would you define your personal definition of love? Oh, yeah, I just got goosebumps thinking about this. Because, okay, my definition comes from a very uh, uh, old book. It's called The Road Less Traveled with N. Scott Peck. And I remember reading the definition that he used in the book, and I like immediately got goosebumps into this day even thinking about it. I still have the same. Um, and he said, uh, love is the willingness to extend yourself for someone else's spiritual growth. Hmm. And, and yeah, it's really similar to mine. Yeah, what's yours? Mine is like, love is when you take something as a part of yourself. So let's say if I love you, if you're my friend, Stephanie, when I make a decision that's going to affect both of us, I'm going to make sure that it's in your well-being and my well-being because I love you and I want you and I need you to be well because you're a part yeah. of me. Yeah, it goes back so. to your your uh, one, you know, what you were saying earlier. I love it. I agree. Yeah. Lindsay, I agree. it's your turn. <laughs> okay, so. Bear with me because I have my floor being done downstairs and it's really loud sometimes. Um, let me come up. I'm see if I can come up with a good, honestly and truly the, the most connected I've ever felt with like source love, unconditional love, like the love that everybody's always looking for. It's gotta be when I had my kids. Like I've never felt anything like it. Never. There's no one on this planet that I would jump in front of a bullet for except well, for my children. I think that makes sense to what, what Kelsey and I both said, because when we talk about love, we're talking about the extension of yeah. not the expectation of receiving it, but being in a position where like you want everybody around you to feel that and you're extending, you know, yeah. and you're, and you're also willing to go out of your comfort zone to do that. Cause it's so important. Like you're, you know, yeah. not a bearing love. <laughs> like, yeah. Like I'm normally a pretty reasonably fearful person. Like I'm not someone to put myself in danger. And if I do, I'm very aware of the danger. Yeah. Right. But if you harm, like if any, if I had any inclination, there was danger with my kids, I wouldn't even be th like, it's one of those things, like it would yeah. all leave my brain and I would use my body to protect their bodies. Like in any situation, I will fight someone. <laughs> I'm not a fighter, but I think it's, you know, and so I think about like, well, what, what is, how does that translate to the love piece? And I just think it's like my self-preservation goes out the window when I think of my kids or, you know, to some extent it would have, it, it's my husband as well, but nowhere close. <laughs> it's nowhere close. Like I love my husband. He's an amazing human and I'm so glad I picked him, but it's not even close. And I think yeah. he would agree and say the same thing. It's just something like I've never experienced before ever. There and I don't know. Well, I don't know I think, how else to explain it. I think love has such a close relationship with creation. So like, if you think about kids as being sort of an art form, it's like the art that your love with your husband created. Like right. there's, there's something about, and even like spirituality, creation, um, they're, they're so connected. So I can understand how that, I don't have children, I have nieces and nephews, and I, I'm, you know, yeah. the same way about them, but I can understand how that gets magnified when yeah. flesh of your flesh is standing in front of you, you know? It's, it's crazy. It's like yeah. the closest thing to divine that I can think of because yeah. it's just like, when I look at them, I'm like, Ooh, you're fresh from like the spirit world. Like they're so connected. Right. You're and fresh. so you're fresh yes. from the oven. That's like, sweet. especially my baby, like my, my 18 month old, that. like he doesn't, he's, he talks, you know, he's, he's got a few words down, but to the, for the most part, he's just in his own little world and his own yeah. little body and his own little head. And I know he's still connected to that like higher part. And when I see them, I'm just like, wow, you're like fresh. Like you're, you're connected. And it's just, it, it, it helps me feel closer to that oneness and that yeah. consciousness and that like unity of the universe. It's just, it's crazy guys. 
I love, I love that. I feel like every conversation is coming back to my kids and it's never happens. Like, I don't think, does it Kelsey? I don't think it always happens, but it's just this episode. Well, I'm always of talking course about we're going to talk about your kids when we're talking about love. Like, that's no, like, but I mean, like, I feel like this whole it. episode I've been like talking about my kids, my well, kids, my kids, but well, they've come up a lot. The, but we started this with talking about the future, right? Like we're at yeah. this really yeah. um, meaningful moment that has, that is ripe for opportunity to reshape our future. And I think we all feel that, you know, and it's, and we know that it's important to feel that. So it's natural to talk about your kids when we're talking about the future. Yeah. And that also goes back to what Kelsey said about like, an ex- it's an extension of you. How much more on the nose can you get? Like it's right. definitely an extension of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so maybe, you know, I think a lot for, for my kids as well as me kind of repairing some of my inner child stuff, which is probably creating new inner child stuff for them, but whatever. <laughs> like you can't, <laughs> everyone's got to right. go through it. You can't you save can't. them from those things. <laughs> you can't always get it right every time, but yeah, a lot of that is like, nurturing my inner child by nurturing theirs or, or nurturing them is really kind of repairing. I've noticed, I've definitely noticed that that's a thing as well for me. Um, so in a way it's self-love too. (laughs) Yeah. All love is self-love because everything is a part of yourself. Then you are loving yourself when you love someone or something. And that's why I always say you like to a certain degree, you can only love other people to the capacity that you can love yourself because the way that you love in the outer world is a direct reflection of the way that you love yourself. So let's take that cop, for example, in the George Floyd incident, like he probably treats a part of himself that he doesn't like, just like how he treated that man. That's a direct reflection of how he feels about some part of himself because that man is a part of himself. So imagine if this cop knew how to love all the parts of himself, his, um, the parts that he deemed unacceptable or the parts that he didn't necessarily like or the parts that made him lose connection from other people. Like if he could find understanding and love for those parts of him, he wouldn't have treated that person like that. Yeah, I and totally that's agree where that. I just go back to like, oh, therapy is the answer. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, you know, it's like it's it, it's also well documented, you know, especially in the South that um, when slaves were freed, that that uh, the same like the things that white plantate, you know, white slave owners would accuse black people of before they were even doing it were the things that they did to them. So. Yeah, you know, generations of sorry, white men. I'm just not gonna say white men. White men raping and murdering and lynching and like so they they're carrying that fear of you know what I know I did it or my ancestors did it so I'm going to be fearful of you because you know what you should rise up you know when when um you know when we I'm sure you've seen like people in this movement going we're lucky that we just want that we're just asking for equal rights and not revenge, you know, they have right. every right to do that. You couldn't argue when you start to like really dive into the horrific things that were done to pe- people, human beings, you know? Um, so yeah, you're right. He's carrying it in his body and he definitely was treating himself in that way. I mean, there's, it's no surprise that his wife filed for divorce right away. She's probably <laughs> got her own, you know, trauma. I did stuff. not know that. Yeah, she filed for divorce, like, I think, like, two or three days after it really hit the news cycle. That, Before um, he was charged, she filed? Yeah. Wow, yeah. good for her. Yeah, yeah. Good for her. You know, yeah. I, I, in no way, no way is anyone, I think, re- any reasonable human would not say, yeah, but look at it from his perspective. You know, like, it's just ridiculous to even say. I didn't even want to say that. It's just so stupid. Well, but- but I agree with you guys. Like we, I think anyone can agree that we, we, how, like what Kelsey said, how we treat people is a reflection of how we treat ourselves, how we, how we feel about ourselves, what's going on with us. And to piggyback off of that statement, if you don't love yourself or if there's parts of you that you can't respect or look at or examine or, or repair or heal, don't be a goddamn cop. Don't, don't do it. I'm sorry. Don't. You cannot be bad at that job. You just can't. Well, that's where the system has failed too, because like they should be screening that out and they should have an empathy training. And I'm sorry I said GD guys. I'm really sorry, but I just came out and I feel very passionate about that. Like you do not get to have feelings. You don't get to have like your ego. You don't get to get your feelings hurt. You don't get to react. You are a protector. You are someone to serve. Do your jobs better. I'm sorry. That's all. I'm sorry. Yeah. (laughs) I have to do this or I will keep talking. I'm sorry. 
Yeah, no, it's <laughs> it's that, but you know, it's 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 not like yes, you're right, but it's not even on the individual that's applying to be a police officer. The system was based I, yes. on white supremacist, you know, yep. principles. So it just has to be completely changed. You know, yeah. it has to be like you can't build. It's like you, I, if, you know, if we're gonna go talk. We all, if we went, we're gonna talk about God. I mean, I remember the the. <laughs> the preschool song, you know, the wise man builds his house upon the sand, you know, and you don't remember the song. It's like, you can't, if there's no foundation for goodness in a system, Yes. you got to create a new system. You can't just keep putting band-aids on something that needs yeah. open heart surgery. It's right. just, it doesn't work that way. And that, and you know, we, we have the very slow moving. I wish more young entrepreneurial people were in government because people that are resistant to change just for the sake of being resistant to change are not who should be leading this country right now. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm not saying like older people can't be more agile, but you know, we, we have a lot of old white men that I would want to spit on if I saw them on the sidewalk. You know how, I'm not okay. a violent person. Like, you know. you know how, when you get to a certain age, you have to like retake your driver's test every year to make sure you can still see and you have cognitive functions. <laughs> they should be able to do that for like your views on the world and where that's going. Like I know this is a radical statement, but like let's check in to see if what you want for this world is in alignment with the good of all. But I don't even think that solves it because there's They're so much corruption that. and like, you know, um, lobbyists and, you know, people aligning themselves with a certain congressperson or senator and saying like, if you sneak this little part of this bill into this one, yeah. I'm going to pay you. And you know, I've, I've been in experiences. I'll never forget. Like um, when I lived in Dallas, I used to throw parties all the time and I threw a new year's Eve party and it was like really successful. And I partnered with these two guys and I, you know, trusted them and we were having a great time. But then there was a moment where like cash money was like laying on the table, right? Like stacks of it. Cause like people were really coming to this really cool party and they like started to sit, you know, say, oh, we deserve this much more. And they like tried to distract my attention and take more and like money, you know, money does really crazy things to people and they yeah. make different decisions because they're going to get paid. And then, you know, they have circumstances of children and they want to put through college and then they decide this, you know, which is lesser of two evils. So you know, it's not just about checking to see where your values are, because I think a lot of people vote against their values. Um, Ugh, because, so true. Yeah. You know, and, and they somehow justify it. Yeah. Um, probably because they're getting paid. That's annoying. Yeah, a lot of people annoying. are sellouts. Yeah. yeah. Except for me and Kelsey. <laughs> Uh, remember that one Wait, time yes. when one sponsor tried yes. to sponsor us and it was like totally not in alignment with the show. And I was like, I will not be a sellout and talk about this on my show. This is ridiculous. Yeah. And I've, I've been there too. Yeah. It was something that we could not ever have convincingly <laughs> talked about in a way that would ever be like authentic. It just would I, never have been. Mine so. was like a vitamin company or something about, I, it was just so yeah crazy and I'm like this is not real um right. yeah, yeah pretty intense you. but you know again it's not hundreds of millions of dollars and we can't ever really know how we would react I well, mean I, but, you, I react. but but circumstances right are like so yeah. what if your son needs a kidney and in, right. in this time of like you're gonna have God, to knock on wood right oh sorry just say but that it's I 2020 know. anything can happen okay <laughs> I know, I know. I'm Let's sorry. The brakes on that one. <laughs> sorry, sorry. again. Okay, no, go ahead. Bur let's burn. <laughs> well, I'll burn sage after this and you know, <laughs> take that out of the room. But you, you don't know. You just hope that you know that um, you've built up enough. Yes. Around you, that you're not reliant on somebody exactly. else to make those decisions. I guess, and you know, and this is why we fight for good health care and all these other things that that makes that would make this a better country to live in. Because mm -hmm. right and now, I'm not so sure about that. You know. Right. And it's like I said before, like if you were that person with those circumstances, you would make the same decisions as them because that's why they're making those right, decisions. Right. You yeah. know, like everything is valid. So you can't just be like, well, how would I do it? I, would I have do it to believe that everybody, ugh, this is a sticky thing to say, but it's never not true. I, I have to believe that everybody in every situation is doing the best that they can with what they know how to do. And we, I want to believe that. And now we have, we all have a huge opportunity to know better. You can't 
you can't know what you not what you don't know until well, you take that step forward and learn. And now I, we're all learning, you know. I think this is where relationships come into play too, because like, I mean, let's just talk about school shootings for a minute and like the, you know, the signs, there's always been warning signs about that, that kid that decides to do that. You know, he leaves behind the manifesto. Um, you know, he's, he's very socially isolated. Um, yeah. You know, that those they're there and like, why, how is it as a society, we have let so many people down? Like we've fallen out of relationships and our own families and our own communities, um, you know, because you know, let's face it, social media, and you, you know, I've, heard me say this like I call it fast food relating it's kind yep. of the equivalent of eating Taco Bell and it's like okay in the minute and you're like 30 minutes later you're like oh that's regrettable um it didn't really fill me up there's no nutritional value and social media every time we go to it and and in the void of not calling somebody and having yeah. a conversation and relating and hearing and asking why like so to me the most important question that we can ask in terms of relating and being and relating better with the world and ourselves even asking ourselves why over and over why do I feel this way? why is this triggering me why 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 um, that is not a question that gets asked on social media that's and why is what sinks us in relationship you have what friends they know they know what you do your why mm -hmm. friends are your ride or die friends they yeah. like, they like know why you stand for things and they don't have to question when you stand up for stuff and so if we encourage more dialogue around not just oh that's your opinion but why you know so like i think a poison pattern in social media is the person that continues to just forward bullshit mm -hmm. you know very jaded bullshit i'm just going to call it bullshit and i'm going to say it three more times because it is you know like if that's mm -hmm. politically slanted and it's nonsense yeah. and it can be easily proven wrong but when they forward that and they don't say I believe this because why that is creating a virus of poison that we're all feeling that prevents us from rising up in the day and doing and acting out of love and taking an extra step to extend ourselves for somebody else. That stuff keeps us down. Cause you're like, I can't even like, I, can't, I don't even have the energy to, to talk to this person right now because right. They're, you know, they're not going to listen. There's, they're not in a mode of receiving anything that you're going to no, say. No, and I, and I would say it's like a, a pattern, you know, like we are, we are just as mechanical as the computer that sits in front of us, right? Like we, you know, we get into patterns that we just do over and over again. And when we're not practicing relating and talking like this, then, and just using, you know, a, a device, even in texting, like, you know, in between communication, our ability to relate with each other and be in relationships with either obviously declines. We're not yeah. practicing it. I think you really nailed it on the head when you were talking about how humans need connection, because I truly believe that every single thing that anybody does is in order to avoid loss of connection or in order to obtain more connection. No matter how malicious or terrible it is, the intent always comes back to, I need connection. Now, would you, would you say connection is related to acceptance or are those different no. things in this definition? In this definition, it's different because I'm going to give a super extreme example. So let's say school shootings, these boys who decide to come to school with a gun, they've been in pain for a long time, right? Yeah. And being in pain alone is a whole nother level of pain. It's one thing to be in pain when you have people holding space for you and other people are in pain beside you. You can get through it like that. But being in pain alone, that's like the breaking point of any human, right? So in order for them, some part of their mind thinks that if I kill these other people, there's going to be pain around me and I'll be connected. I'm putting these people in pain and then I won't be the only one. That's yeah. a form of them trying to gain connection. Is it right? No. Is no. it beneficial? No. But the intent is I need connection. This is the only way I see how I can get it because I'm in so much pain. I need to cause other people so much pain. Yeah. I'm I, just going to go ahead and knock on wood one more time in case anybody was waiting for me to do that. I need to. <laughs> You're funny. We're saying well, a lot of stuff in this I episode. Know, I know. Knock on wood a lot. Well, <sighs> Lindsay, Lindsay, that kind of ties back to what you said earlier. Like you're like when we were talking about uh, making the decisions to post or not post, like that's a yeah. decision of connection, right? Like I don't want to alienate or right. whatever. Um, and I just wish it's, it's very hard to do. We're all like, you know, building kind of personal brands and things and like we're using this medium right now um but it, it's hard to really figure out how to navigate it and yeah. then do the right thing and keep and keep some of this offline right like i mean i just exactly i think that if you're trying if you're making the decision if this is 
if this is going to alienate or whatever, and you, and you're watering down your own voice and your own heart and doing it, that's the time to make a phone call. Right. Yeah. And connect and like talk it out with somebody that knows you and knows your why. It's the people well, and that see, listen know your why. My entire stance on this is we white people need to be a part of the positive change. Now, what that means is individual for each human. Unfortunately, right now, there's a lot of um, judgment. We're very quick to judge if we approve of the way somebody is learning and unlearning, if we approve of the messages that they're putting out. And so it, it causes a lot of uh, walking on eggshells. Not necessarily for me, it's not necessarily a matter of alienating people. I've never been so happy to see how many unfollows I've gotten. I've never been that happy to see unfollows in my life. Like, please, the door is open. Go. You don't yeah. have to announce it. Just leave. Um, I'm, and that's fine. I'm happy with that. However, for me, it's more like I feel like my voice isn't as important right now. But I know that that at the same time, I have three children I have to support. There we go. Talking about the kids again with my business. So at what point? is it okay or comfortable to resume your business while still uh, fighting the good fight, making your voice heard with these injustices and continuing the conversation, pushing the needle forward. But for me, most of that is going to happen in conversations with my kids, in conversations with my older relatives who may or may not have voted for the clown in chief. Um, and, and though that's where most of the work is going to happen as well as, you know, of course, always unlearning the stuff that inadvertently made its way into my subconscious mind and, and, and the biases and things like that. So most of the work, this is what people don't understand is going to be invisible. It's yeah. going to be invisible. Well, I think, I think all of us have, I mean, I think all of us are in a position to actually do something about that. I think exactly. that we, we need to be, you know, instead of curating a perfect like grid of Instagram, um, you know, just being in the moment and going, I'm archiving this moment in time with my true heart and mind and mm -hmm. feelings. And I'm putting that out there. And I'm also going to say that, and I'm going to remind people that context is everything because yes. this, this, this stuff is also stripped out, you know, um, the details of experience and, and, you know, just because you say something with them, life can't be reduced to a meme no, and no opinion, no real, real right. um, experience can be reduced to a meme. So I think kind of stopping a lot of that kind of, I call it filler posting. Like that's just like, you know, it's cute, but like, you know, is it helping or at least putting a disclaimer on it going, this is just me archiving this moment for me because this is how I feel. But there's a lot of contents behind this and I welcome you to tune into my show or I welcome yeah. you, you know, to have a conversation offline. I love getting DMs. Like however you do, to, whatever you do to remind people that context is very very important. I mm -hmm. think that that we all, all of us are in a position to really um, drive that message home and even in teach you know, our kids too. Like, you know, it's important to ask questions. Important to ask questions. It's important to not, it's important to be open, I think more than anything. Be open that everyone's doing their best right now. Nobody in their, in this lifetime I don't think anybody has really lived through, the, I mean, some people have, they're old enough to have lived through the Martin Luther King and, but it's, I don't, this is, this feels. I, I don't know if everybody's doing their best because we are coming out of a time that we are triggered, you know, like, I mean, I've definitely, like, it's not my best that I've been like emotionally eating cookies every night, you know, and <laughs> not like. But it's, but it's what you need, but, 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 it, but you're using the tools that you have. Yeah. to but get it's the best the you can do right now exactly but some of us but what i think even having this conversation the way we're having it is a little we're being a little privilege and talking about it because we are all we love healthcare, we know the importance of it but somehow in our upbringing we experienced it and when you and you when we get back to like why you have to defund the police like these other areas like black communities and schools like weren't funded to be to talk about wellness and stuff so doing your best might not have, there might be not a lens of wellness in that, that helps them. They, I think they're doing the best with what they have been given, but the opportunity right. to actually do their best, they might have not had received yet. You know, their so best would be different if it, anyone's best would be different if they had different opportunities. Supportive, if it was supportive, yeah. you know, and, and not, you know, just as a side note, I never had health insurance as a kid. Did you have health insurance, Kelsey? 
No, we used to drive down to Mexico from San Diego. What? Really? Mm-hmm. That's Again, interesting. In Mexico. Yeah. I mean, and well, I all never... my family was doctors and stuff down there. So I wasn't just going to some random doctor in TJ. I was <laughs> yeah. getting like good referrals to good doctors. But, but, but um, here's yeah, the thing, I didn't have like, health insurance for a long time. Growing up. When I used to hear, I'm going to say like a year ago, okay, when I used to hear white privilege, I'd be like, hold on. I grew up poor. I grew up with no opportunity. I, I, moved, I like got away from my family as soon as I could because there was no opportunity for me there. Now I've learned and I know what right, white privilege is. It is just, okay, it doesn't mean you haven't had a hard life. It doesn't mean you weren't poor. It doesn't mean you didn't have challenge. It just meant that your skin color was not a factor. And when I heard that, you know, I actually saw it in a meme, I guess, probably. I was like, oh, okay, yes, I totally get that. There have been situations in my life that I haven't had to worry about certain things like, you know being pulled over. I'm scared because I, I just don't want to be pulled over, but I am not, I don't think my life is in danger if I was. So I can't, I can't imagine that, but I can, I can, I can be in solidarity with the fact that that's unreasonable and that's ridiculous that anyone would have to be afraid of that. So I watched one of my neighbors, um, in my, you know, downtown LA community, um, stand, we have a little market in our building on the ground level and uh he he's he's a fun guy he's kind of like he's always constantly like kind of standing by that market and uh you know very social stirring things up sometimes i call him a little bit of a shit stir because i'll like just you know stir up the pot a little bit um and and he so this one day he was like smoking uh uh a joint you know outside after it's been legal here for a while and um and I saw him throw it down and then it, cause I'm walking up, he's like over here, I'm walking up this way and I saw him throw it down and I'm like, what's happening that he threw it down? Well, there was a bicycle cop that saw him and is now coming over to him. And he, and, and he physically, this bicycle cop threw his bike down and physically pushed him, Anthony into the wall. Anthony's black. Okay. I watched Anthony go from yes, sir, yes, sir, you know, very like, you know, this is what I'm supposed to do in this moment. And I'm like, wow, like two things happened, you know, in that moment. First of all, if that was me, there's no fucking way that person would have put his hands on me. And sorry, I swear, I'm sorry. Right, no. Um, no way, no way would they have done that to me. So I like now have that in my mind, like, wow, I get it. I get parts of it. I don't get everything. I get it. And then um, the second thing, like to be trained to like, yeah. not to, to, I mean, I just saw his whole demeanor and I, and he, I know he was scared and he, and he was, he, sh- he should have been scared. It was awful. I heard his body hit the cement wall. So, uh, <laughs> and then when, of course, when the bicycle cop realized that me and another woman had watched that all, then he sort right. of backed off. And I was like, going to say like, yeah, because I've yeah. heard a lot of stories, like when black people are with their white friends, yeah. it's never as bad. No. Well, not never. I mean, the, I mean, the stories I've heard, it hasn't. They were like, well, good thing so-and-so was here. Well, I don't know what would have happened. I think this is why, like, um, you know, I was raised, again, I'm, I think a little bit older than you guys, but raised to not see color. You know, that was the answer right. to not being a racist, just not see color. And I think that narrative now should be seek color, see it. Yeah. Because when you honor, see it. Honor color, celebrate yeah. color. Yeah. You know, know that we're all beautiful and different in every in different ways. But, but when you see it and you're looking out for it, and especially for me, I mean, I live in a diverse area, I live in downtown Los Angeles. It couldn't be more colorful, you know, and it's actually why I picked it. I didn't, I'm not, yeah. I mean, as white as I look, I don't, I'm not as comfortable in a very white community. Right. I like, I like the diversity of, of multiple generations of people and cultures being in, in an area. So, um, you know, see it. If you start to see it, you know, remember to see it, then you can watch the people. You will, you, you could prevent some of these things from happening. You know, it's kind of like the, exactly. the other phrase that we are told, if you see it, say something. Well, this is the see it, say something that we should all be leaning into. It's like, I do see color. I, I, I am going to, when I walk out, I'm going to use the, my empathic abilities to like really yeah. look around and feel what's going on out here and, you know, be ready to, to witness or step in if needed. Ugh. Yeah. I want to bring the conversation back to relationships because I feel like being better at relating is going to solve a lot of our problems. Because like we said, we're not relating well with the earth, other species, each other. Um, So I liked what you were talking about when you're talking about why and having what I do in my life. And you can tell me if this is a beneficial practice that you've done before is like you always 
state your intention so that the other person feels safe. Or at least if you don't do it in the moment, like later you can be like, well, actually really why I did that was because I was feeling unheard or really why I did that was because I was getting defensive or I did that because I wanted you to see me in pain or whatever it was. Like I know my boyfriend and I do this a lot and he'll be like, well, yeah, I realized that I just said that mean thing because like I was hurting and I just wanted to hurt you back. Like there was a part of me that just wanted to hurt you. So, and then I was like, wow, I feel so much safer that I know his true intention and that he knows it too, you know? So I feel like Mm -hmm. part of making relating feel safer for everyone involved is to always say why and be really honest with yourself. This takes a high level of like knowing yourself and being brutally honest, but being honest with yourself and other people, your intentions behind Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Be willing to share that. Definitely. I, I think, um, you know, again, I think, uh, social media and and the participation and it trains us to be really reactive and like, Oh, what can I say? That's more powerful than what they said or more contrary. And I think, um, and when you're in real conversations or in real life experiences, um, when you find yourself getting triggered and, you know, um, we should talk about that, like that feeling of like, oh, I'm starting to heavy breathe here. There's a little heaviness in my chest, or I'm, I'm actually feeling sweat or, you know, whatever that is for you, where you're feeling a different sensation where you're like, oh, I'm, I'm starting to get angry or sad or whatever to that, you know, the best thing to do in that moment is instead of just speaking up really quickly and often over, over talking the other person is go, can you, can you repeat what you just said? Can I, and, and then actually say what they just said to make sure you heard what they just said, because there's so much that gets lost in that translation. Like I could say the color blue to you and you're thinking aquamarine, yeah. you know, so, and I'm thinking navy blue, you know, so if we kind of check ourselves and what we're hearing and we're more of an active listener, there, first of all, we, we relate better because we're getting main, or, um, retaining more of the information, but two, in that moment of mirroring it back, you calm yourself down so then you yeah. can respond from a more authentic place than that triggered level because not you know bad stuff gets said during that time it's like i'm aware yeah. of like the trigger energy in my body right now i'm like oh you know not so great um but yeah mirroring is a, such a great practice i think that would um, help anybody's relationships and even There's- yourself and Lindsay and i talked about this when we first talked about the negative talk or the talk that you're saying to yourself it's mm-hmm. like repeat it back to yourself and then Mm -hmm. go, why am I saying this? You know, is this, is this beneficial to me? You know, what do I need to say that actually is more beneficial? So there's, there's only good things that can come by slowing down and mirroring what is actually being communicated. It allows you to take a pause, take a breath and, you know, exactly respond instead of react. Um, There is a very interesting idea that I heard not, not that long ago about when you're it, it had to do with spouses or like partners. When you find yourself in a debate or in an argument, um, pause and switch places in the argument. Mm-hmm. So like now I'm debating from my husband's point of view and he's yeah. debating from my point of view. There is nothing quicker to seeing someone else's point of view than when you have to actually defend it. It's like when you're in debate class in school and they have you like switch places yeah. and like then now you're debating this other side. And now it's become such a, once I heard that and practiced it a couple times and uh, saw how effective it was, I can't not do that now. Mm-hmm. If if anyone disagrees with me, I automatically go to that place of like, okay, let me just let me just check in here. Like, wh- why do they feel so passionate about this? Okay, well, I can see where that's coming from. You know, it, it, I can't make it go away, and that's it's, a great thing. It's so powerful those moments too. Like, I don't know about you guys, and I, but like when we dive in a little bit more with like interpersonal relationships those often are the ones that give me the most goosebumps because like you thought something about somebody and then something else and like a lot of times i'll call it grace like you know i'm i i'm very spiritual i'm not um i'm you know i'm a little disappointed in organized religion but i'm very spiritual and i I think one of my favorite quotes in the bible is when two or more gather i'm there you know and i really believe that no matter if you believe a christian god or buddhist god that the, the, the presence of spiritual energy between two people that are really there to connect is so beautiful and brilliant. And it's the moments that we're like, oh, they just give you goosebumps. And I'm like, yeah. So any kind of exercise that allows you to get into that richness is also right for the spiritual grace that changes your life. I mean, cha- fills you with spirit that you, that, is un- that you can do things that you didn't think that you could do. Um, yeah. Yeah. It opens the door for more understanding, which, yeah. hello, 
<laughs> imagine, imagine if we had a little more understanding, a little more relating. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, I think we're getting there. We're getting there, aren't we? I feel like, I don't know, Kelsey has some thoughts on this. Are we getting there, Kelsey? Please say yes. My thoughts are that the contrast is what's going to motivate us to create yes. the desired outcome. So I think in some aspects, it's getting better. Be- I mean, getting worse before it gets better, but that's okay because it's ultimately to help it get better. And from another perspective, it's totally not okay because we don't want it to get worse in the short term, obviously. But we kind of have to, I feel like, ride this one out and just know that we are moving forward, even if that means it looks like we're taking 10 steps back for us to take a thousand steps forward. Agree. I agree with that. I think um, that, you know, this is this Phoenix moment that like that, that, that absolute destruction is the only thing that's going to, you know, bring the light to it. So um, and I also think like, like I said, you know, I'm, I've encouraged I mean, anybody that's listening and thinking like, oh, I'm, I'm not racist. And you know, I, I know about black history, like go deeper and go yeah. and go, go with, go d- deep enough where it actually physically hurts you and then continue to go because that pain and that contrast that Kelsey's talking about is what we all need to be on in order to make this change happen and then be able to reap the benefits of it with our family and our friends and our neighbors, you know, so yeah. We're talking about this moment if we want to make it meaningful so we can experience that kind of love and relating. Like, you've got to feel this pain. You can't self-medicate. You can't, well, you conveniently turn it off. You yeah. have to feel it. You know, I mean, I say, feel it, you know, built in, because uh, we are, we care about mental health. I mean, mm-hmm. and I'm saying feel it, but maybe built in a processing where you're like, you do talk to your spouse or your significant other or best friend, like, I'm so in pain right now. I went so far, but like have a place to like decompress and then go back in it the next day. Um, yeah, so I would say like, could go. we're all trying to figure out what our part is. We're all trying to figure out where we fit into this huge shift that's happening. First, it was coronavirus. Well, first it was Kobe's death. That's just for me. Yeah, that was here, the be- too. here too. That was the beginning of like, really 2020? Like that's what this is going to be? Okay, fine. You know, and before we fully recovered, boom, coronavirus. And before we fully recovered, murder hornets. And then before we fully recovered, now we're having this huge paradigm shift, which is so, has been so needed. And I'm not saying it's just now happening. What I'm saying is it is on an awareness level. I mean, the entire world participated in these protests, like 18 countries, all 50 United States. Like this is a thing. This is happening, guys. Bigger than, like I heard the numbers this morning that, you know, the biggest numbers were for the recent women's marches. You know, those were the biggest numbers. And this is bigger. So people know know their voices are being heard. So if you want to know your part in it, I feel like action is so important and energy is so important. And you cannot keep your energy the same if you do what Stephanie says and go dive deep and really feel Feel it as a human. Feel and, it. Feel it. Feel I it. would, and I would argue. I mean, I'm a, I'm a middle child. I also joke. I always joke about this. I'm a middle child from the Midwest, product of divorce. I mean, like I couldn't care more. Hey, me about, too. Really? Yeah. Same thing. Is that, is that our tribe right now? Wow. Wow. Oh, but so, so as a middle child, we are prone to feel identity issues. I think that's why I'm an ally for the LGBT community. I think that's why I can start that, why I want to, to dive in more, like I want to feel this pain because I've always like, oh, you know, I'm not the favorite older one or the baby boy son, you know, and I have an extra layer of it too because it's my dad to this day says he's not sure if he's my dad and that's created a lot of, you know, stuff that I have to heal from, but So I I would argue that um, even if you're not a middle child, but if you understand or if you've ever had a moment to really fight for your own identity or be confused about your what your identity is, um, that that's that's important. That's an important connector to this right now. And if you really, if you're brave enough to relive American history or re-educate yourself about American history, not the whitewash version that we got in our schools. Um, there is healing for you too, because you're going to reestablish yourself on a different ground. That's more honest, you know, as an American. So I, I I think the opportunity for healing is there for all of us. Totally. I just think, yeah, energy is very important right now. So whatever you're doing, investing your energy and shifting your energy for the greater good. Look, we're all trying to navigate this. We just got to do the best we can and be willing to learn. Maybe what you know, isn't exactly the truth. Okay. 
So be willing to learn. Yeah. Be willing to be wrong. Yeah, exactly. Because that is, that is the opportunity to learn. If you're not, you know, allowing yourself to be wrong. I mean, if we're being too safe with our social media posts. Yeah. Know, yeah. 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 Preventing that opportunity. Yeah. I would yeah. say self-healing is going to be reflected into the world as a more healed world. The more people that take mm-hmm. responsibility for their own pain and their own troubles and their own demons that is going to translate into a more healed world um which will make you just a more loving person to everyone when you can love all the parts of yourself (laughs) good luck with that it's easier said than done but obviously we're here to help you which is why we talk about it on the show this is the work (laughs) well it's a practice right because every i would i would say that most um energies that we wake up into every the energies and systems that we wake up and participate in every day, there um, so many of them are based on fear or yeah. keeping us in a place. And, and so you really have to take extra steps, self-care practices to actually put more love in your system. You know, it's very easy to get caught up in consuming stuff as a supplement to like feel better. Um, you know, whether that be food, drugs, buying stuff on Amazon, you know, what, whatever, consuming social media, I mean, it's consumption. Um, so if, if we're honest and we write down like all the activities in the day, your sheet, the list of consumption and fear-based stuff is always going to be longer because that's just what this, all of our systems around us are based on. So you have to take responsibility and yeah. add stuff on the other column that actually is participating in love. If that's the kind, if right. you want to relate in the world with loving energy, you have to, that starts with that. You have to relate mm-hmm. better with yourself and you have to work on it. It's a practice. It's not, it's not, Oh, I took one webinar, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> done oh, check. <laughs> I'm, I'm so woke. You know? <laughs> right. It just doesn't work that way. Like we're, we're living, breathing, growing things. Uh, so, and, and growth is a natural order of things. So if you don't allow yourself to continue to learn with all the resources that we have, you're actually putting a lot of weight. I like almost like vision, like books on your head, like yeah. kind of hurting you um, when you prevent yourself from experiencing all the learning that's available to us. Right. Beautifully wow. said. Thanks for being here, Stephanie. We're going to continue this conversation for a couple more minutes over on the Patreon if you guys want to join us. But Stephanie, where can people learn more about you and work with you and find you? Definitely. So I'm Stephanie Michelle with one L uh, dot com. And then Relate with Steph is my Instagram. I'm, I, I, that's probably the social media channel that I'm on the most. But Perfect. as you've heard me say, I try to stay off of them too. <laughs> Good. Well, go find Stephanie. She's wonderful. Steph, do you got a few minutes to hang out with us? Do you care if I yeah. call you Steph? I'm just, I feel so close to you now. Yes, it's Steph, fine. Steph's going to hang out with us over on Patreon. Awesome. <laughs> yes, I love it. All right. Thanks guys for joining us and listening to us uh, express ourselves. And if you want to express yourself to us, we love connecting with you. So email, social, social media, uh, Patreon, you know, all the ways, and we will see you on Patreon. Thanks for listening. We hope you love this episode. If you love High Vibe in it, become a part of our Patreon family. You can support the show, see the extended version of this episode, get bonus content, and access exclusive discounts. Head over to patreon.com slash highvibe to join. We have tons of perks waiting there for you, and we're always hanging out in there, so we hope to see you inside. Please feel free to share the show and help us spread the high vibes far and wide. And of course, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. And if you feel inspired to leave a review, we always appreciate it. See you next week.